Thank you so much. Wow. I How are you? Dragging all of this down to my level now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, man? Uh, didn't you go on the TV show we did back in the day? I did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was way Absolutely, back. man. Yeah. Uh, you know, just just uh, enjoying New York City where nobody's wearing a mask anymore. And uh, I can't <laughs> tell the empathetic people from the sociopaths. That's what it is right now. For a year... <laughs> For a year, you could tell who was a monster and who actually cared about the lives of other Americans. But now, mask mandates are lifted, and that means yeah. I can't. I I I can't tell the people who believe the government from the people who don't believe the government anymore. They're right. all letting the one now. <laughs> we need some other way to do it, man. We need we need to start wearing our own little vaccination patches or some have some kind of hand signal or something going on where we can. Easily, easily detect the douchebags from the uh, regular people. I mean, that, but yeah, well, they tried that with an AIDS ribbon once, and it sort of backfired after a while. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it did. Uh, man. Claiming I, I care about other people apparently is a sign of weakness in America. So I'm with you. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll see. I want to apologize for my hair. Uh, this is my pandemic mullet. This is uh, it's it's awful. I look like a, a a goth country singer, and I just want to apologize. <laughs> I look like every Air Supply album came to life and became a person. That's what this hair looks like. I look like oh, Beethoven fucked Loki. That's my hair. <laughs> Nick Cave and Katie Lang had a child in the '90s, and it's me. I look like John Wick during a Moroccan oil shortage. This is my pandemic <laughs> mullet. This is. Like the really douchey TA at Slytherin House. That's this. Like, like, like the like the '90s CBS LA cop drama on a Saturday night. That cop <laughs> rickets. That's the hair. That's the hair. Like, it does kind of look like. That's all I do. Um, yeah. <laughs> Whenever we're both on screen at the same time, I feel like it does like we're dueling necromancers. Like, <laughs> just... I'm not into dead people, man. No, your kink is real business. Okay. <laughs> I know if you had I have the beard and I keep comparing myself to the dude who gave uh, Jenny AIDS and Forrest Gump. Oh, <laughs> like if I if I wear the, the green uh, army jacket right in there. I don't even remember that guy uh, from the film. I'm sorry. I did. I took a whole course in it and everything, but I don't remember the guy who gave Jenny <laughs> AIDS. I know they didn't call it AIDS because they were tasteful, but I, I, yeah. I know. Uh, yeah. No, I always. So Think you look like Jesus, uh, you know. <laughs> and I want to tell everyone, um, John Pavaromo is many good things. He cares about people. He is not Jesus. Uh, <laughs> the only thing John Pavaromo has in common with Jesus is that uh, religious hypocrites hate him, and he, like Jesus, would never wear a man bun. That's it. Those two things. And and I mean, it's there's a lot of reasons to admire Jesus, but he would never do that shit. And neither would right you. now. Yeah, yes, and he, I, you're absolutely right. And this I've been asked a million up. times to do it, and I'm like, I will not do it. I will not yeah, go that route. There's can enough I, yoga. I, there's enough yoga pimps, you know, clogging <laughs> up our ankles in this culture. And <laughs> ladies need to understand the ever-present peril that is the yoga pimp. 
Okay. Yes. He's, he's out there. He wants the same thing every other guys want, but he knows how to be very new age, knows how to be very namaste nasty. And it's right. a lot of like, no, listen, I think it's great. You really did some good work on your positions this week. Uh, and by the way, it's just an honor because like, I wish I could experience childbirth. Don't trust those fucking guys. They're out there. You know, it's, no, it's not a horny thing. I just, I want to be as close to you as I possibly can. Yoga pimps. Watch out, ladies. They're there. I love the PSA. I don't even know how that that was beautiful. I I'm like I'm gonna that's gonna be brought. That's what we're gonna change the intro to now. That's it's just Bugle saying warning of us about those pimps. Okay. Uh, I I, I want to compliment you real quick. I'm gonna compliment you through the whole thing because okay, I okay. I love that I get to know like I when I was younger, man, you were I wasn't a big like I don't know. I grew up Catholic and everything like that, right? But as you you know as you get older, or whatever, you kind of fall out of the traditional Catholic sense of things, whatever you were the first guy, first comedian who was the, I feel like you're, you have a very rational approach to faith. Right. And I, I yes. did not, I you don't do it's certainty. <laughs> yes. And you don't, and you fucking call it out all the time. And when I was, I, I mean, I have like, this is going to sound creepy and I'm going to try to make it not to, but if it is, whatever I have screenshots of like your tweets that are just, that are always just constantly right on the money um, about, you know, what Jesus said, you're constantly combating other people. And I remember I used to just share them because I was like, this guy fucking gets it. Like, I don't, I, you don't, you didn't see too much of that. You didn't see people kind of doing that thing. And then you went on W Kamal Bell show and you were on with uh, Jamie Kilstein, Jamie. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you guys had the most reasonable conversation. I know they wanted us to fight, and I and I was like, oh. Jamie, either we need either need to go out there and actually have a physical fight for laughs, or we mm -hmm. need to, like go out there and refuse to fight and just get along really well. And he yeah. agreed we should go out there and just get along really well because I'm not an atheist, but I believe in them. And mm -hmm. uh, some, <laughs> of the, some of the best Christians I know are atheists, and some of the most godless heathens I know call themselves believers. So it's like, right. you know, for me, it's like. My definition of faith means uh, it's faith. You know, they say the opposite of, of faith is doubt. No, doubt is a part of faith. The opposite of mm -hmm. faith is certainty. If you know, fundamentalist Mr. Motherfucker, if you know all these things for a fact, then that's not faith. You have something that uh, the Bible doesn't <laughs> offer and Jesus doesn't talk about. You have absolute right. certainty. That's what fundamentalists are. That's why you can't negotiate with them. They think they speak for God. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of fun short, we'll get to it, but a lot of fun shortcuts you can do when talking with these folks, because most of them haven't actually read the Jesus parts of the Bible. But, right. uh, and that's where the fun comes in. But, you know, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't claim to be a good Christian at all. Um, but I know the New Testament really well. And I got, I reached a point where like, I just got tired of seeing uh, my parents' religion used as a cloaking device for douchebags. Mm -hmm. And when you actually read the Jesus parts of the Bible, for the most part, pretty sane guy, most progressive guy in the book, most feminist guy in the book, most anti-poverty guy in the book, uh, healthcare, you know, not anti-gay, didn't mention abortion, right. never mentioned gay marriage, never said torture's okay sometimes, never fought for tax cuts for the wealthiest Nazarenes, because they're the <laughs> job creators. Um, no, I... I I think if you ever want to have a good time at your, you know, conservative family uh, reunions, ask any of them uh, which actual teaching of Jesus guided your vote for Donald Trump, or just ask which teaching of Jesus yeah. is Donald Trump not the opposite of, or uh, which teaching of Jesus does the Republican Party actively fight for legislatively? Because there's a reason 
they all want to put the Ten Commandments on the courthouse walls. It's because mm -hmm. they don't want to put the Sermon on the Mount on the courthouse walls. So my thing is, I would hate it if someone made a fan club to me, but went against everything I believed in. And right. I don't, like, I don't believe in blaming someone on what their fans do, whether it's Jesus or Jodie Foster. But uh, <laughs> I just kind of feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna go around saying all this, you know, piety, Jesus. If you read the book, he he really teaches you how to call out hypocrites and mm -hmm. anyone claiming to be a Christian but fighting for Donald Trump or any part of his agenda, right. uh, they get to be called out. Uh, criminalizing abortion has nothing to do with the teachings of Jesus, unless you're a right wing American Christian, and that's all you know. Mm -hmm. That's it. So yeah, it right. was funny. And then I thought what I was going to do was open with that and then get more preachy as the segment goes on, John, if that's okay. I'd like to let <laughs> drain all the humor out of this conversation. And uh, you know, I'm going to be selling gold by the time we're done, just so you know. That's fine, man. You do whatever you want. You can just take over. I'll just leave. This is your show now. I don't care. Um, that's, <clears throat> that's the thing, man. I love the bit that you have about your parents, how they met. Was that, I mean, obviously that that influenced you a lot too, but what made you decide as a, because comics don't, you know, most comedians, I feel like when they dive into religion, they don't technically, uh, they, they tend to trash it completely. And I feel like you went in um, not even like the opposite direction, but you just took the rational approach. But like, yeah, if you're fucking reading it and if you understand what's going on, here's the basics of it. Like, was that something that you wanted to get clear because of your parents or was that like more of a personal thing that you made over the time? Uh, well, it's, it's sort of a combination of factors. A lot of it had to do with um, when my mom gave me permission, finally, after years, to start talking about their past on stage. Wow. Uh, my mom, growing up, didn't want people to know about her life before she married or my dad's life before they met. They never even told me. Uh, I was down south with my grandma one summer, and she was going through shoeboxes of old photos of the family and reunions, and I began noticing my mother in a white habit and all these pictures. Wow. And, uh, and I knew it wasn't the clan because my mom wasn't like that. She, <laughs> she left the South, if you know what I'm saying. Right. And my mom How old were you? I was six when I found out that my mother had become wow. a nun and had made an oath to God that I would never happen. So that's, you know, the, the, gra the gradual existential dread over childhood of realizing what a vow of celibacy is. That was age 11. Mm -hmm. I realized my parents promised God I wouldn't happen. So technically, because of religion, I get to be here, but I'm not supposed to be here. And it's made right. me grow up to be someone who's very comfortable with uh, chaos and oppositional forces. But, you know, when mom finally said I could talk about it, it opened up this real wellspring of, uh, of, of religion in me. And yeah, like it's easy to go out and attack the Catholic Church or just make it all cute. And there's a lot of comics mm -hmm. do that really well. Um, yeah. I got into actually saying, what if I didn't attack <laughs> God or didn't attack Jesus? but just went after homophobes because you can't really be a homophobe and follow Jesus. Most right. people don't know this. Most people grow up with the Jerry Falwells on their TV saying being a Christian means you're an asshole screaming at women outside clinics, not right. you fight for the poor, you fight for the sick and you fight for immigrants and marginalized mm -hmm. people uh, and those in prison. So like, you know, I don't, I don't claim to be a Christian at all, but I, mm -hmm. I learned from Jesus how much fun it is to call out douchebag hypocrites. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For, for, for spiritual reasons. of course. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you do it well, man. Um, and that's like, that, that's awesome though. I didn't realize that you didn't know that until you were six. Did they try to keep it a, a secret because they were like um, embarrassed by it, ashamed by it? Or they just didn't want to talk about it. I don't think they wanted the world knowing it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's that's, that's and what was the on, what was the impetus for her to let you do it on stage after that? Was it like I was, felt going, like on, I was, I was going on Bill Maher, you know, and I was going on his uh, show a lot, and and uh, <clears throat> and once they finally let me start talking about it, it opened up a lot of me creatively, and then soon, like Bill Maher had me on debating Jerry Falwell when I was in my twenties and debating David Duke, and uh, yeah, 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 I'm just a clown, but like you know, I'm calling <laughs> these guys out over what's actually in the Bible, you know, right. I mean. Jerry Falwell, you know, is bragging how he's so pro-life. And I'm like, well, you support the death penalty, which Jesus actually opposed. So you're pro some life. You know, <laughs> like, you know they, I mean, I just never heard anyone with my point of view express it. There's theologians who who do this, but they're academic and they're not funny. And, you know, most right. comics just make Catholic jokes. And I wanted to actually, you know, I mean, I got picketed by Westboro Baptist Church once uh, in Kansas City. And it was like, wow, better than a daytime Emmy, John. So, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. I do remember seeing you on Politically Incorrect a lot when I was. There was a lot of stuff I probably shouldn't have been watching when I was younger, but I'm glad I did because my parents just let me do kind of whatever. But I, I mean, like Politically Incorrect or something. Older than you, John. Am, I, am I that much older than you, John? No, 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 no. You're not yeah. that. But I mean, like, <clears throat> I think when everybody was kind of watching, you know cartoons or whatever what, oh, yeah, it, yeah. what it was i was very much like oh what's what's going on i'm politically incorrect <laughs> my, whatever my dad was a history teacher and i sucked <laughs> at sports so i had to do this to ah. love yeah it's funny Ooh. yeah it's good so no so i got really into politics and history at a young age and um right you know we were the only kids on the block who's who's who went to church every sunday and every holy day mm -hmm. and we were the only kids in the block whose parents voted against reagan and wow. as a kid, that seemed really weird. And when I got mm -hmm. older and actually read the New Testament, I realized, oh, no, that was actually pretty consistent uh, when you think about it. So, you know, <laughs> um, I, I like to make fun of a lot of stuff, but, like, the religion mm -hmm. stuff I get asked to talk about a lot because, um, you know, I, they say the largest growing religious group in this country are Mormons. I, I think it's uh, the largest growing group are people who were raised religious and now consider themselves spiritual because they're uh, turned off to the hypocrisy of celibate men wearing dresses or what have you. So, you yeah. know. Do you find that kind of thing? It, it seems like uh, people it's weird, man, because I watch all that kind of stuff and I'm like, um, you know, you pick up on patterns or whatever. And being on social media, it seems like people have abandoned a religion. I don't even, you know, to a certain extent, but they've picked up on other things. There's there's a bunch of people like I don't know if you're uh, I, I don't like TikTok that much, but I'm, I'm not kidding when I say there is a large faction of people on those or that believe in crystals or some kind of healing right. or yeah. whatever but they are adamant about their atheism towards any kind of religion and shit like that but it's weird because to me it seems very similar or or, or almost even in like a bizarre way i'm like you're still dogmatic about something like you still i mean people you know, will find people will find whatever as as dogmatic or as least dogmatic as they want i mean a lot of people mm -hmm. you know i i think even if you got rid of religion, people would still have a spiritual yearning. I think people are always going right. to be in love with the great mystery in ways that science and poetry can't answer adequately. And so, you know, and I'm not anti-religion at all. I mean, no. for all the horrors inflicted on the world because of religion, we will never know how many crimes and rapes and murders weren't committed because people were terrified of going to hell. You know, like, right. let's, you know, religion played a big role in, in civilizing, uh, for better or worse, this mm. species. But has it outlived its usefulness? I don't know, but I, I think people are always going to have some kind of spiritual uh, yearning. And that's why I, 
I'm here to talk to your followers about the Church of Scientology <laughs> and how Dianetics can really help you unlock the true you that's locked away in yes. that mediocre vessel mm -hmm. you're calling a body. We right. have the answers. We do, really. And we're not religion, just for tax purposes. Please join yeah. us. Oh, you'll get a beard wife and a pilot license. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And a bottle of shampoo, right? Because that's where the evil spirits are or something, I think. Is that a Scientology thing? I don't know. Isn't it? Isn't it something about? Sh I swear to God, there was something about shampoo. I'm not even kidding. I think where maybe they were selling it. I don't really know. You know for me, at one like, point, I, I just get off. I just like I get angry at like how the media pushes this bullshit in our culture because you know last yeah. week we saw the Biden administration and Merrick Garland Justice Department say they are going to enforce this Donald Trump law that allows private religious schools to discriminate. Oh yeah. LGBT children. Mm -hmm. Now I get that Biden doesn't want to seem punitive and anti-Trump. I get that they are waiting for the DA of New York and NYC to do their jobs. Mm -hmm. But like they said, they did this to protect the office of the presidency. They're they're going to maintain this Trump era law because it's still the law. Yeah, it can be changed by executive order. But my whole issue in the media was, what the hell does discriminating against gay kids have to do with the religion of Christianity? No, right. really. Show mm -hmm. me in the book where where Mr. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, where he says to be shitty to the trans kids. Show me in the book. Right. You know, show me in the book where Jesus says that putting incarcerating women for terminating pregnancies is a thing he cares about, or you can't let gay people marry. Like this stuff that passes for spirituality. I, I mean, I, I love the part where Jesus chases all the gay wedding cakes out of the temple, didn't you? Like <laughs> the media doesn't call this out. The media just assumes, you know, there's two sides atheists and imbeciles. And the right. media allows these people to say the Christian point of view. And I'm like, well, it's not the point of view of the guy the religion's named after. So why are you letting the fan club take over? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the media stopped. I, I, it, we've talked about this in numerous amounts of times, but the media did kind of stop uh, trying to find the answer and just constantly opposes two points of view, which is insane. Because it'd be like if the weather guy, you know, if he was like, hey, this guy says it's raining and that guy says it isn't. It's like, well, look out the fucking window and could you tell me the truth? Like, it's not two opposing points of view. It's one of them is right and let's figure it out. Well, um, yeah, I think the only bias in media is towards profit. That's it. I mean, the yeah. only, I mean, it's eyeballs, it's clicks, it's ratings. You know, if, if mm -hmm. Sean Hannity could get incredible numbers for endorsing single payer, he'd be doing it tomorrow. Like, that's, yeah. that's it. So... I, I, you know, I, I'm not surprised. It's not the media's job for the most part to inform people, but I, I just, you know, I grew up around religious people who weren't douchebags. Uh, right. Some of them were, a lot of them were, but like I, I grew up seeing real, real empathetic people who were, were anti-bigotry and were activists and who did real work of conscience. And so uh, yeah. I'm not against religion. I mean, I'm just a big fan of calling out hypocrites. Jesus yeah, exactly. gave me the way. Yeah. And also, like, whatever, I mean, I, I don't try, I try not to shit on anything that comforts anybody. The only time I have a problem with is probably the same time you do, too, is when it's used in, in any way, when, when any kind of magic is used to make decisions for other people's lives. That's when I'm like, stop. You know what I mean? Like, it, well, it gets yeah, a little yeah, frustrating. But again, the magic is irrelevant. Like, I think, I mean, imagine you're Jesus and you got to go out and do a gig in front of 2,000 people. And imagine his manager, Jesus, you got to go out there and these fucking people have come to see the miracles, okay? They don't want to hear you talk about forgive your enemies. No one wants to forgive your fucking enemies, Jesus. They don't want to love the stranger. They don't want to give away all their belongings and help the poor and sick, okay? 
you you do that, and you know what? You'll have a really great show, and it'll be on fucking NPR, and three people will listen. You'll be really proud of it, Jesus. Okay? They want to see some blind people see again. They want to watch the Wheel of Fucking Leopard. Do you want to have return audience? Do you want to build a brand, Jesus? Come on! <laughs> oh shit! I so now I gotta. I feel like we're gonna call this segment. We might do one every 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 week now because it's gonna be how am i wrong because i feel like i've asked a couple of people this is kind of relevant and we were talking about um performative shit which is the same thing biden's doing that uh thing to the schools or whatever and it's obviously he doesn't want to appear to be like you said uh you know uh, hating trump and all that kind of shit or whatever but uh the other side of that is the i have a problem with the capitalists um for for a good cause type of behavior like you know what i mean like the burger king thing that was going on where they're going uh they're entering a chicken war against yeah. chick-fil-a yeah and i could be just broken from the last four years of trump where i can no longer see a win or the good side of something but i tweeted this and i got people either hating it or loving it which is normally how it goes um but a lot of people said i had the wrong take but i said i said you gotta love when corporations that deal in high cholesterol and clogged arteries use the plight of the marginalized to wage wars with each other and then i hashtag ba 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 go fuck yourselves because yeah. i but but let me ask you this am i like because on the one hand where where biden's doing that thing it's performative because he doesn't want to appear to be just completely anti-trump so he's going in the complete fucking wrong direction and right. then you have burger king who's a corporation and they're just trying to get sales, even though they are giving 40 cents, right. whatever to the LGBT community, but only for the fucking month. So people were like, Hey man, a win's a win. I'm like, but where the fuck were they the last four years? What, like, like corporate, like I'm, I'm having a trouble reconciling that kind of shit. And I, you know, am I having trouble seeing the win here? In what John? In, in, in that it's just, uh, that they're doing a good thing and we should just allow it to be a good, good thing. Cause I, I'd like, I would like more, you know what yeah, I mean? I know that they were, you're making, you're making the, you know, it's not like the old argument. It's not enough to not be a racist. You've got to be an anti-racist. Right. And, and mm. uh, you know, I agree. I mean, look, I think it's great that Congress this week decided to have a national holiday for Juneteenth. Boy, that's yeah. great. Uh, I would have liked it more if Congress had done something about police violence or poverty or yes. the criminal justice system or sentence disparities. I would have loved it if Congress could have lifted a fucking finger about institutionalized racism, uh, how sentencing guidelines are the same for weed as for uh, heroin in some places. I would have loved for the Congress to actually do something about right. systemic racism, police violence. But you know what? No, they decided, guess what? We're, we're, we're going to give ourselves a day off. How's that? Yeah. So it's like, great. Okay. Uh, I, I'm thrilled to see that, you know, we're celebrating Juneteenth, but what have you actually done? There's exactly. a great piece in the, in the Guardian this week about these 25 corporations. And it, this is a, a new study that was done by popular information. Uh, 25 corporations that are advertising their support for the LGBTQ community. And, mm -hmm. and look, I like seeing a Budweiser float when I go to Pride. You know, I remember being a kid in the 90s going to Pride parades in New York City. And, you know, it, I mean, you could actually see the parade. It was like not a big mm -hmm. corporate thing. It was a thing you did in your neighborhood. And now right. when I see a Budweiser float, I'm like, well, that's progress, right? Like yeah. when, when, when Mad Men of the 50s began advertising and marketing things to African-Americans, mm -hmm. that was progress. Like yes. commerce can bring about civil rights progresses because greed can lead to some good things. But like this study was about uh, 25 corporations that are putting rainbow flags on all their branding this month, like mm -hmm. uh, CBS, AT&T, Walmart, Comcast. Right. And these are organizations that have 100% ratings from Human Rights Campaign, from the Corporate mm -hmm. Equality Index. That measures workplace policies 
and public commitment to LGBTQ communities, but human rights campaign doesn't take political donations into account. So these corporations in the study, and you, you should read it, it'll make you furious. All these yeah. corporations that have a 100% perfect rating with human rights campaign, but they are donating to all these anti-trans legislation politicians in Texas, North Carolina, and Tennessee. CBS right. is doing that through their political act, uh, action committee. Uh, in Texas, CBS was was backing the, uh, the the people who were trying to make it a change the child abuse law if you have a trans kid. Like they're right. incredibly anti-gay across the board in terms of who they give money to. So uh, I think we're talking about the same thing that like you don't get to call yourself anti-gay right. and try to market yourself that way during Pride Month while you are literally funding movements to dehumanize Americans. Yes, that's exact. That is exactly my point, and that's my frustration because I I understand people want to feel good about something, and people are tired of constantly feeling guilt. I, that that's something too. I mean, I do feel like if you're informed, we're more informed than we've ever been before. There's a million different ways to get there. Like, look at Instagram now. I mean, I I love the platform, but you can also get the news there too. There's no way to avoid seeing the shitty stuff that's going on but at the same time i still feel oh, like sure there is sure there is sure there is oh, well that's <laughs> there's about 30 million people don't know joe biden's the president john there's, there's lots of ways to be ignorant in this country <laughs> you're right okay yeah there's still you're, there's still plenty of ways to be ignorant uh but 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 you know what i mean like for informed people it's like i feel like i get it it's overkill but at the same time you know i'd rather be um i'd rather be proud of actual achievements as opposed to just being lazy and being like Hey, they're trying, uh, and you're just and like going about my fucking. It, it's just that's just me, but I I get it, man. People were like, people are, I guess are exhausted by it. I'm not. I'm have I have like a bit of a post funk, um, pandemic kind of thing going on. I don't know if you feel like, you know, oh, really, you feel kind of weird after a year and a half of lockdown with six hundred thousand <laughs> Americans dead. And now we're reopening and we're hoping the vaccine is. It's, is it odd for you? Is this been a? <laughs> It's been an aberrational experience in your life, John. Please tell us what really. Did, did you find your social life or professional life curtailed in any way, or or was shopping challenge? What what happened, John? Yeah, no, I but but it's I mean, like crazy. We're also it is hard crazy. on ourselves, and we're also hard on ourselves, and it's mad. One hundred percent. We've all survived stuff that our grandparents couldn't have imagined dealing with. Mm -hmm. We had a racist rodeo clown and a plague at the same time. <laughs> right, I mean, a racist rodeo cloud is president at a plague at the same time. Like, right? Oh my god! I mean, yeah. five years ago, the biggest problem facing the world was that Ben Affleck was going to play Batman. I mean, we had no <laughs> idea what was coming. We, I think, all things considered, we, you know, and considering we had a president who was lying to us during a pandemic, and we only lost six hundred thousand, number one in the world, people, America's back. Yeah, uh, baby. I, I just feel like, you know. Everybody needs to take a step back and remember infinite compassion directed to all and to mm -hmm. self first. Go easy on yourself. We're all freaked out. John, I'm still not sure how a belt works. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at my hair. <laughs> I have been locked down for so long. Like, yeah. I don't know. I've been with, and I've done this with a, with a child. He was a little boy when it started. And now he's a fucking kid. I went from little right. boy in March of 2020. Now I got a fucking kid. You know, that's how yeah. long it's been. I'm the, I don't know how to talk to people without mentioning Mario games or Marvel characters. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I'm not. So it's like talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is all prep for talking to me then. That's right. Um, yeah, man. I, I know it's, it's, I feel like the ones who were, or who are, who are supposedly comfortable with all this are the, because, because the entire pandemic, there were people who were, you know, protesting outside of a fucking Fud Ruckers to open it back up, which. <laughs> 
it's it's always in I'm like dude that's been closed for 10 years relax but like oh, I, know. Uh, I get to save money on van morrison tickets this year i'll just say that oh how disappointing were you i was i was bummed man i don't follow the guys like politics necessarily but when him and who was the other guy that went out van morrison and yeah yeah i was like fucking really <laughs> i was like you gotta i uh that that broke my heart um yeah. I mean, I've seen Van Morrison get angry on stage and storm off the stage having a tantrum. And like Brian Kennedy has to vamp for 20 minutes until drunk Van comes back out like a fat deranged <laughs> monk and finally does Gloria to win the crowd back. And that was less petulant than what he's done so far. Uh, yeah. It's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. I feel like there, like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's weird because you, you feel like there's that same kind of, uh, you know, hippie protest energy they had back in the day. And you're like, dude, you're aiming it in the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, like, I get that you want to do it, but it's the wrong direction. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, there's like those people that did that kind of shit. I feel like the ones who gave uh, the rest of us a hard time about staying in, saying we were cowardice and we liked that, you know, there was nothing going on or whatever. I feel like it's those people who just need to go out. I'm like, how... Like, how sad is your life that you can't survive without going to a bar, movies, out with friends, getting drunk all the time? I'm like, how much do you hate your family that that you couldn't that you couldn't for the safety of everyone around you just stay in for a year? I like I feel like that's I feel like, I think they're the sad ones is what I'm saying. And I, yeah. you know, that's I mean, look, I, I, I wanted to test how codependent I could be with my partner. And so I'm glad I had this experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, when they opened up Wuhan after the first lockdown, the, the town mm. of Wuhan, they had a record number of divorce petitions right away from married wow. people who'd had to be with their spouses for a long time. Uh, yeah. yeah, look, it's just, I, it, the whole thing's been surreal. It's going to take a long time, but we have to remember the worst part of this pandemic, John. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't when we were the peak, and it's, it's, it's not that the rest of the world is suffering so much. The worst part of this pandemic is going to be about 12 to 15 years from now when all of these children have grown up and are doing terrible one-person shows about being the children <laughs> of the pandemic. We will not be able to go to a comedy festival or a theater festival for a solid five years when these petulant little therapy on stage disguised as solo theater. Have you seen my childhood? It's gonna be awful. It's gonna be, oh, the children of, the children of the lockdown. They There will be so much bad self-indulgent art made about living through this. And look, I feel terrible for teenagers. My God, if yeah. you're 15, 16, 17, you have to be in time with your parents Parents all year, Jesus! You get to do yep. all the things you want, and I encourage it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's. Um, I just think the year twenty twenty will be remembered for its unprecedented use of the word unprecedented. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, I feel like there was no baby. Uh, do you know anybody? Like, I, I don't think there's going to be a baby boom, but I think, and I'm accused no. of I'm one of these people. The amount of people that have podcasts now, the amount of comedians. I know I'm shitting on my own thing. I, I did it just to keep sane, but everybody else I know also, like, people that I feel like haven't been doing it that long suddenly decided they also needed a podcast. And I, I'm like, are they ever going to end? Like, at least, at least I have, like, 15 years in. And then I decided I wanted to talk to people I enjoyed speaking to. And then I feel like the other ones are just like, yeah, I just started comedy this year. And uh, I, I don't understand why I can't get any guests. And I'm like, who are you? Mm. <laughs> I don't 
I don't know you. Do you? Are you? I, I do a podcast, but I do a radio show every night that people think is a podcast. Like, like <laughs> a whole new broadcast identity has been imposed on my show, and everyone's like, "Hey, I want to come to your podcast." And I'm like, "You mean my podcast or the Sirius? Oh, yeah, the Sirius XM thing." It's like, "Oh my god, yeah, radio as a form has been eaten by the Borg." So, right. <laughs> but you know, I mean, podcasts. I, you know, yeah, there's going to be a lot of them, but that's that's like any other discipline. It's it's you know, it's good. Get I think. Yeah. I, I don't care, but more people should be expressing themselves and getting their opinions out there. Go ahead, yeah, and uh, and, and we'll get some great talkers out of it. We'll get some good artists who come forward out of it all. Um, the funny thing you, is, like, I have to remember all my podcasts because nobody's commuted for a freaking year and listened to any. I am, yeah, and exactly. Are you back in the studio yet, or not yet? No, no, we're not going to be back until at the earliest September of. Uh, of oh 20. wow! It might change to sooner, but uh, I've been broadcasting from here from the the tv room in my apartment for the last uh 15 months and um wow it's been surreal i mean i've i interviewed julie andrews and uh rizza from wu-tang clan and uh wow, i mean we interviewed, you know bernie sanders and talib Kweli from my living room it's just been insane to uh to do it and to never see my staff but you know it's been a it's been great i mean it's been amazing uh to to be talking to people every night i mean when the pandemic first began we wound up doing so much um, like pop culture countdown material. I just went right. to what are the top 10 best action movies of the 90s? You know, what is mm -hmm. De Niro's five best performances? Like every night we would do a different call in topic because, yes, there's a presidential election and an impeachment, and the president's a racist clown and people are right. dying of the plague. And that was when I learned that, like in radio, people would rather talk about their taste than their conviction. We can yeah. say, you know, what's the greatest issue facing the middle class and get a few calls or. We'll say, what's the best horror movie of all time? What is the best opening act for a concert you ever saw? And boom, that brings right. out passion in people. And I, I think it shows that our commonalities still outweigh our differences. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, well, when we did, when I was on, we did. Um, I think it was protest songs. You and it was oh, so yeah. much fun, man. I have a list because that's people right. were calling right. in had like amazing fucking songs. Yeah, and I forget what the reason it was like we oh cuz we were going to we were going to have um uh Paul of Peter Paul and Mary was coming on the show that night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. And so we made we were like what is the best protest song of all time? And yeah. Boom, I mean it just the, the phones fill up and it, that's you know that's really comforting when I when I moved my show to Sirius XM the Progress Channel I I, I just said look can we still play any music we want and uh, and and do mm -hmm. all the culture we want to do and not just be angry liberals screaming about socialism and hemp for three hours right and they said okay so you know it's and that that kind of you know I don't feel bad about binge watching I mean yeah oh <laughs> I mean, no not at all you can get your mind off reality without being asleep or on drugs for a few hours do it this is the period <laughs> in the timeline people. Yeah, man. Do you, do you miss your time on VH1 at all? Like, do you do you miss like just engaging fully in the? No, not at all. I, I was it. Is it just that because you you have a like a, a an amazing appreciation for music, but like a knowledge of it too. Where like I feel like I, anytime I've been on uh, on your show, you're talking about some kind of um, footnote in music history that's oh, yeah. either happened that day, and it's it's incredible, man. And I feel like I feel like I would love to like. What's your best concert? Do you think that you've been to? Because I know you've been to. We talked about the. I'm jealous that you went to see Dylan. That you've gotten to see Dylan like a a couple times, right? Bob Dylan many many times. I mean, many I, times. I, I, I haven't seen yet. Bob Dylan enough times to end a marriage. That's what I. <laughs> <laughs> so but what is your is that is that your best experience at a concert what's your best experience at a concert i mean i guess my best experience was having george harrison 
give his final public performance sitting next to me on a couch on VH1. Yes, you know, like that, that was and, fucking epic, man. I've seen I, that. I, I, I did know. get to go to the concert for George Harrison a year after his death at the Albert Hall in, in England. Wow. And uh, I was doing this NBC show and I sneaked out of the country over Thanksgiving break to fly to London to see a concert. I've never, I blew my entire paycheck from NBC to, to from a sitcom to go to this concert. Wow. Um, and I was at the Dylan show in, in uh, the Dylan tribute show years ago when with, you know, Johnny Cash and, mm -hmm. and uh, but um, I guess the best of con I guess uh, if I had to pick one, like just one, I mean, uh, Leonard Cohen. I swear, uh, we went to see Leonard Cohen opening night of his return tour in Toronto in 2008, and that was wow, uh, that was one of my highlights as an audience member. Yeah, that's that's, I've, that's I've had a lot, yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, the the I've never seen I've never seen Dylan Live, never seen Leonard Cohen. Uh, I've seen you Paul see McCartney. Bob, you gotta see Bob, but just know Bob doesn't care what you want him to sound like. Bob's gonna do what you know. <laughs> and if you if you can get with what Bob's doing, Bob will take you on quite a sonic ride. But you mm -hmm. have to not pretend you're gonna understand what the music is. You just have to go and get into it, and he will take you places. I've the I, I've I've seen Dylan shows that are just like hundreds of people walking out. In the, every Dylan show I've ever seen, everyone has had uh, tons of people walking out in the first hour, mm -hmm. and the last twenty minutes, the wow. entire audience on their feet for the entire time. And I don't know how he does. Holy shit! Yeah, he's a shaman. And he's a shaman, but again, yeah, not for everybody, not for everybody. I'm either gonna have to go by myself or drag another Dylan fan with me because there's no way. I mean, none of my friends are gonna give a shit. Like, there's no way they're gonna sit through that. And like, like I, I know it. Like, as you just described to me, they would either hate me. I'd have to pay. I'd have to be like, John, my wife has stayed with me to over 20 Dylan shows over the years, but I can tell you, she's not gonna go all the time. And um, you can have a lot of great times with a lot of amazing women by taking them as your date to Bob Dylan shows. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah. Good tip. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've done. I'm a, my. I'm a huge Counting Crows fan. I don't know if you. I, I feel like that's not something that's ever said openly, because people are like, really, Counting Crows. Um, but I am. I love them or whatever. But I feel like I've gone to their concerts before, and that's the same way people react. Is like I can't sing along, and I'm like, no, no, he's not gonna. He's not gonna do it like he does it on the album, and he's gonna add in extra lyrics and they're going to take a really long time to sing one song and he's not going to sing your favorite. So, <laughs> but I enjoy it. So right I feel on. like that's kind of almost how you describe the Dylan thing. We're like, you not know, you don't know what you're going to get. We all have artists. We love who become greatest hits touring jukeboxes, touring mm -hmm. jukeboxes. And then we have artists who uh, are there to chase something in themselves and try to find something. And that's where the interesting stuff happens. And even in the case of Dylan, like every, we used to go when we were young to see him because what will he sing tonight? It was a different set list yeah. every night. Now he's been doing the same set list on every tour for like four or five years, but it's even more amazing because seeing how tight the band is, it's just incredible mm -hmm. by, by doing the same set list every night. And it's like, wow. you know, it's the difference between going to see an artist who, uh, who's still pushing, who's still searching, who's not afraid to make some mistakes and going to see someone who's trying to give you a nostalgia experience. Right. What do you think of his new, the uh, the one about Kennedy that he came out with over? Um, oh, I love that just... record. I, I think that record's great. Like that's one it... of the, that's a Dylan record that I would recommend to non Dylan fans, you know, like, yeah. like Blood on the Tracks and Time Out of Mind. Like there's a few you can say, if you're not a Bob Dylan fan, go with this. And, uh, right. and that song was really amazing just to see like, he's 79 years old and he totally reinvents himself again. You know, like yep. every time he goes and does one of these weird, you know, he's a born again Christian. He's a country crooner. Oh, now he's doing Sinatra albums. Oh, five Sinatra <laughs> albums in a row. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> and then when it's done, he comes out with something that's a surprise because he's always a trickster and he's always trying to. Uh, I mean, he's a shapeshifter, you know, and right. it doesn't always work. But like, I like the first enough for record a lot. I thought that stuff sounded great live. Uh, he sang yep. the hell out of it. It was weird uh, in a David Lynch kind of way, but I thought it was great. And then <laughs> that was this record that like, you barely hear any bass or electric guitar or drums the entire album. And it's mesmerizing. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I was really impressed by it too. And I was worried. I get worried, like not worried, but you know, when you're like it's somebody you really love, your favorite artist, and they're coming out with something new and you're like, Oh, he's just gonna—he's gonna fuck it up, and then he oh, did, and he knocked it out of the park. And I was just yeah. like, "Thank Christ!" But yeah, yeah, I can't wait to start going back to concerts and stuff like that. I miss going to music shows and and just finding new bands and shit like that too. Because that was another thing. I, I, you know, I'm—you've uh, been to Asbury Park before, just to go to oh, concerts. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. No, I've, been, I've never seen a concert there, but I've been there to hang out. And you know, oh, dude, you gotta go—you gotta go to the Stone Pony and see a concert. We should—you uh, should come. Uh, but I'm not yeah, too far from that. Let me tell you what it's like when you choose to reproduce, John. Let me tell you what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> then you have a sexually transmitted parasite living with you and how that gets prepared. Uh No, I mean, I, I love, I've never seen a show there, but, you know, I've met Springsteen. I've had half the East Street Band on my show, you know. But, I know uh, you have, and I'm super jealous of that, too. I yeah, love it because that's Stone Pony, man. It's like, yeah, that's, like, the best place to be. And that's one of the things when you go to Asbury, inevitably somebody at any concert, any point in time will go, hey, you know Springsteen's showing up, right? And you're like, where the fuck did you hear that? No one, he's not and the worst is, it's like a worst, best situation when finally you're like, dude, shut the fuck up. He's not coming. And then he does show up and you feel like an asshole because you're like, I know he didn't know, but everybody says it. So, Well, and he really does it, too. I mean, I was once at a at a Dylan show and Springsteen and Neil Young were sitting to the side at Roseland Ballroom the whole time. And they went on in the end to play guitar for like the last encores. And then I saw Springsteen come on stage at a... At a, at a Joe Grishecki show at Tramps. We knew he was going to do it. I, I interviewed him earlier that day, but wow. he's in a tiny club. And then I saw him come out at a McCartney show at Madison Square mm -hmm. Garden. He and little Steven came out and, uh, and they did, I saw her standing there and that was just like, insane. Oh my God. You know? But it's, it's just like, Oh wow. It's, it's sort of like, it's nice uh, to still, you know, have really cool special moments as an audience member. I mean, wow. I have that with comedians all the time too. And, and yeah, know, theater, film, whatever. Yeah, man. I remember um, I, this, I haven't had too many instances where something like that happened, but I went to see Bare Naked Ladies and Hootie when they did um, uh, MGM, uh, not MGM. Um, yeah. And yeah, they, I think that's what they were. Um, and uh, I, Mike, I was in the VIP section, which I shouldn't have been, but I was. Uh, and Mike Mills, but I couldn't tell if it was him or not, but he was sitting there. But I, the whole entire time I was like, I think that's fucking Mike Mills. I have no idea or whatever. And then they invited him up on stage and they had talked about like, it was, it was Bare Naked Ladies, Hootie and Mike Mills. And they were wow. all just jamming together. And I was like, this is the fucking sickest shit. And then like a week later, I was on your show in New York and you had Mike Mills on. And I oh. was like losing my fucking, I was like, this is crazy. And did like, I, I, just, did I did, I, we were. We were out in the hallway and I was leaving and I was like, dude, I saw you at the hootie thing like about a week ago. And he's like, oh, thanks. I was like, you're great. And he was like, thanks. And then he went in and talked to you. And then uh, that was about it. Because I think we were like, we were like, you know, ships passing in the night. But that blew my fucking mind, dude. I was like, you know, everybody. It's just insane to me. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's nice when you when you meet. So, I mean, I had the experience of meeting rock stars who were just absolute, you know, dicks. And it's kind of crushing. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you know, um, but you know, I mean, whatever. It's uh, it's interesting to actually get to meet them and have it be a positive experience once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same way with comedy, though, too, man. I mean, I remember. Uh, do, you, do you have any? Like, there's a couple experiences I've had with comedians that I was like super eager to meet when I was younger, or whatever. And I remember getting like locked out of a few green rooms. 
<laughs> they were like, he doesn't like to speak to any. And I'm like, but I was performing on the show. I'm like, really? I can't go sit down or nothing. And they're like, no, I won't say who it is on air, but, uh, but I'll tell you later. But yeah, I was like, I got to get everyone preps their own way. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I didn't, I, it didn't take too much of a vent to it, but I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. I was hoping to, you know, whatever, but what yeah. do you want to do? You should have um, uh, you should have worn your hot chick disguise that day and see. <laughs> I'll have to remember that next time. I'll just grow out the hair a little longer, shave the beard. It'll all work out. Say, bare naked ladies and hootie and counting crows. You're like every VH1 BJ script I ever had to read on a project <laughs> come to life and manifest in human form, John. You're like keeping it going. Let's I know. Go you want to go see the gin blossoms with me when this thing wraps? Let's go. Yes. Uh, Tragically, I think I have the same hair as their keyboardist 30 years ago. So, you know, it's Wait, I've seen the Gin Blossoms live too. I saw them at Jenks. I've Jenks. seen the Gin Blossoms live. I was a VH1 DJ. I saw all these guys live. Oh, I, dude. I, I'm I'm so there. Gin Blossoms are actually, I've been, so they, my aunt and uncle, uh, they went there. Gin Blossoms are from Tempe, Arizona, which I'm sure yeah. you already know. But they, my uh, aunt and uncle went to sister high school. So they knew them when they were like, oh, you know, right. local band guys or whatever so very i very nice like a, very nice guys in that band they, uh, they uh, do yeah. seem very nice they they i messaged them when i started this or whatever and i'm trying to get them to they want to come on and but nice. you know it's uh but you know you're gonna laugh too though so if you want to talk about your worst vj list or whatever not worse but <laughs> no so no Jim, no I, I, they're, they're all the nice people i you know yeah. I'm, uh, so, so married a friend of mine like they're all really they're all, yeah oh yeah. dude so gin blossoms are are going to be coming on um third eye blind and uh eve six and my my producer's like you just have all the 90s bands on i'm like i'm just reliving minus i'm just reliving my youth man i don't give a shit if they've got anything to plug or not i just want to i'm trying to package a a, a, the the secondary sex characteristics 90 tour of a bush pool and hole all together on one stage so that's that's where i'm directing my energies as well I appreciate that's fucking great, man. There, you know what's crazy too, though? They're all going on tour together, and I didn't even do that on purpose. I didn't realize the Jim Blossoms. I think it's the Jim Blossoms third eye blonde. No, uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket, who I did not, oh. at, but I love Toad the Wet Sprocket. But yeah, they're all going on tour in 2022. I saw that uh, Alanis and Liz Fair and Garbage are touring together. And no I'm like, fucking wow. way. Yeah, how groovy is that, right? Like, that's incredible. Usually these things don't measure up. I did see there was the I saw Dylan on the Americanorama tour. If you it was Dylan with uh oh, nice. with uh my morning jacket, but they weren't there that night. It was Dylan oh. with Wilco and Beck doing an acoustic set. And it's like wow. so nice to go to these like, you know, touring festivals and actually have it be like three headliners, yeah. uh, whether it's comedians or music. It's fantastic yeah. when they pull it off. Do you remember the first comedian that you saw live? Uh yeah, I do. I do. I mean, it, oh. I count it in different ways, but yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Was it a good memory or bad? <laughs> that was like a. Well, I mean, my first comedian. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Long Island, and and, mm. and I worked in a regional theater as a kid, and we had a cabaret downstairs, and there used to be city, New York City comics who would come through, and so I'd get to you know see some that way. It was and Joey then, Cola, wasn't it? Not Joey Cola, but I did hear <laughs> Joey Cola when I when I first started. I love and Joey. Then, uh, and then uh, Joey Cola worked on that stand-up spotlight show on VH1, which was the first stand-up show I ever did on TV. Yes, yeah. And then um, I, I, the first show I saw in New York City as, as a college kid was, uh, I think, at The Cellar, and William Stevenson was the MC, And um, oh. he was brilliant, and, it, and years later I got to be his friend, and that was great. But, you know, I mean, for me it was seeing George Carlin live the first time that, like, I would say changed my Oh, life. wow. Yeah, it was the first oh. time I saw him live at Westbury Music Fair that um, that changed my life and changed wow. the way I viewed uh, what stand-ups could do. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, Ke- uh, Kelly Carlin's coming on tomorrow. I've never spoken to her before, but I'm really looking forward to. It. I know you guys are friends, right? That yeah, she's yeah. brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. she's. I, yeah, I've, I've know her work and stuff, and obviously, but she's. Uh, it's, I'm excited about. A little intimidated, but excited about it tomorrow. Yeah, um, come on, just be confident and just uh, have fun, and then I will. And, and and you know, get her to talk about what she cares about, uh, mostly yes. Scientology and how Dianetics can change <laughs> your life. Click, I will click right here to learn more about how you can have a <laughs> pilot's license. By the end. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'll run that buyer. Um the <laughs> the uh uh the um whatchamacallit? You were saying comedians and whatever we were talking okay. about that a little bit. Do you remember like your first paid gig, like actually like getting handed like money for the first time for doing comedy? Because I feel like yeah. some comics you do. All right, I cool. Do. What is I do? I was I had just started and I was doing tons of open mics all over the city, and I had like this incredible confidence for the first time in my life. And I was in love and I went back with my girlfriend to meet her family in Northern California for the first time. Mm-hmm. And there, I was like, I'm gonna be here for 10 days. Is there any comedy clubs in your town? And there was at the local <laughs> bar and grill. They had comedy night on Saturday. And I just called the guy and I just told him I played here, 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 and here. Uh, can I can I be your opener? Yeah, you know. And uh, nice. he said I could get 50 bucks. And, uh, and then the real guy would come in from San Francisco. And I was like, fantastic. And so my, my girlfriend's parents invited all their friends, <laughs> my first time meeting my girlfriend's parents, invited wow. all their friends to come see their girlfriend's odd new New York City boyfriend, this skinny pale kid, uh, do 10 <laughs> minutes of stand-up before a headliner we hope isn't too dirty. And the headliner <laughs> bailed and never showed up. Holy shit. And I had to do a 40-minute set, and I'd only done open mics in my entire life, and they paid me like a hundred bucks and they gave me dinner and wow. I ate, was eating this hamburger and fries. And I was like, wow, I just got a hamburger and fries for working. And it was, <laughs> uh, it was a great feeling. It was a great, and I did 40 minutes and yeah. I that's so, incredible. That's a great fucking stand-up story. First yeah, the best hamburger story. I ever had. Best hamburger I ever had. It's 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 nice validation when they do it with money and food. I don't know why that yeah. is. I don't know if it's just a comedian thing, but when when somebody else makes your food for you after you've done work and you get paid, you're like, this is the greatest. Could be sloppy, whatever it is. You're like, this is the best fucking food. Yeah. And then after that, you go back to the comedy condo and you run a black light over the couch and you vomit <laughs> up the But that's a whole other story. I had a hotel room that I stayed in, and this is before I knew you could be indignant about that kind of shit. You know, when you're you're just like, oh, it's just the road where there was a blood stain behind the bed, uh, you know, the, uh, like the bed frame or whatever. And I was like, do I say something? And the headliner was just like, yeah, he's like, yeah, you fucking say something. <laughs> it's like because I brought him in to see it. I was like, what do you think that is? He's like, I think it's a blood stain. And I think you should go remove your. He's like, well, I can't believe you stayed in this room the other night. And I was like, I don't know the rules. And he was like, the rules are. You walk downstairs, and you tell you tell the hotel, and I was like, "All right." I was like, "I didn't want to get fired by the uh, by the club owner," and he was like, "Who gives a shit?" <laughs> Just thought it was that's, part of the road, man. That's what comedy taught me: is that terrible experiences make for good stories. And so, yes, you know, as a writer, it's like, oh, I'm not afraid of horrible things happening anymore because I know that I'll probably get something uh, amusing out of it. Right. Is there anybody that you wished uh, you could have interviewed that you missed out on that you really kind of? Like feel like oh man that would have been great and they're just not happening now. We mean because they're dead. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, tons. How much time do you have? I mean, like, <laughs> like, like dead from history, like Shakespeare. No, 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 Lincoln, like, history. I mean, like actually, like a, like someone that was about to work out didn't work out, and then you know you just missed your opportunity. 
Oh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'd really be into like, I mean, I'm into all kinds of, you know, my, my dreams are, you know, George W. Bush, Dick Cheney. Um, I mean, it really, you would have been a UW? Yes, I wanted to. What if, well, how, let me ask you a question. Would, president of the last 50 years. Yes. Absolutely. How would you, I mean, you obviously would have gone hard on him or whatever, but. Oh, I wouldn't, I would, I would be very gentle on him. I would just deal with facts and politeness. Oh my God. That's incredible. That's a lot of restraint. What else are you going to do? Hate him? Then you lose. I mean, you know, if that you, is true. You hate makes you stupid. You hate him back and you look pretty stupid. But, you know, the worst thing Trump did was make Bush look good. And and that's yeah. ironic because the worst thing Bush did was make his father look good. So uh, you look at this Republican Party. I mean, party of Lincoln. They're not right. even the party of quail anymore. I mean, you, <laughs> you go from Eisenhower, the last one to balance a budget, to Nixon, then to right. Reagan, then to Bush, then to Palin, then to Trump. Like, who's going to be their next? It's going to have to be Kid Rock's hepatitis. It's going to have to be their next presidential nominee. That's the only way they can keep on this steady descent of a party. Yeah. No, I know. Do you think we're going to have another trouble, uh, another problem with, because uh, I'm one of those people who prescribes to the idea that the next time there's a Trump-like figure, it's going to be one that doesn't tweet. It's going to be one that is way more clever about that kind of shit. Do you think we'll be able yeah. to be prepared to see it before it comes or no? That all depends on how willing people are to blackmail Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, isn't it, John? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that all depends on how willing the Democratic Party is to use coercion and blackmail and bribery to actually get voting rights passed in this country and to make it yeah. really easy for everybody who's an American citizen to vote however they want to vote. Uh, if you can do that, it'll be a lot harder for the uh, non-clown Trump. The, mm. the, the best thing is everybody who thinks that they're the smart Trump are fucking stupid. I mean, right. Ron this makes Trump look like Obi-Wan. You know, I mean, Matt <laughs> Gates. Matt Gates. Oh my God. Matt Gates has hit rock bottom so many times he's fracking. Like all of right. these guys are morons. So, you know, I mean, Tom Cotton, he looks like a constipated mm. pencil. They're all they're all idiots. And it's it's yeah. but yeah, there will be a smart Trump, a charismatic Trump who uh this is what the essence of all fundamentalism, whether it's an Ayatollah or a smooth talking televangelist or a racist clown with a reality show. Um, right. It's very easy to flatter the people into getting your way. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, every empire has to collapse at some point. I hope our empire just doesn't look so tacky doing it. But I do have <laughs> a lot of hope. Uh, I, I grew up I grew up during AIDS protests and now we have marriage equality. I, I know. Right. I know how good America can be. And I've seen how much America can make progress when they want to. So I, mm -hmm. I do have a lot of uh, I have a lot of hope. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I I feel the same way too. But like, because we were both Bernie Sanders guys at the end of the day. But do you feel the same way that like, because I don't understand. I mean, I do, but I don't understand this the idea that uh, everything has to be a slow and gradual change towards um, being a decent. You and know, it doesn't. Kind of, it doesn't. I don't think so either. But I feel like that's the thing that Democrats have kind of pushed and gotten through. We can't have anybody like Bernie. Because people don't want to have things happen quickly, and I feel like I know, I know, but that's that's exactly because the system is protecting itself, and the status quo doesn't, you know, let go of the wheel all that easily. But I mean, you know, Harry Truman, who uh, very underrated and very overrated at the same time, but he just desegregated the military, just boom, did it, fuck y'all, right. and that's yep. how it has to happen. Yes, there will be growing pains for anything, but I mean, 
I just wish the millennials would hurry up and get up a single payer and fix climate change because we're, we're waiting <laughs> on you guys. Come on, help them fix the grade, but put that down and fix all this shit that, yeah. uh, that the boomers made worse and that Generation X was too traumatized to address. We're too busy being stoned and looking for our Doc Martin. So really, millennials, please. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, uh, um, I love the gen, like, like Gen Z is kind of weird. I know that they get shit on a lot. I'm like an elder millennial, which I didn't even know existed until, I don't know, like a few months ago. I'm, I apparently that I literally, somebody called me. They're like, oh, you're an elder millennial. And I was like, pardon? Uh, but apparently uh, it, it, it doesn't exist, but you know, congratulations on finding a whole new way to market to a demographic. That's all that is. Uh, all <laughs> okay, those, good. Let me tell you what Generation X learned. It's all demographical harassment. Okay. <laughs> Wait till you had your thirties and then suddenly it's nostalgia time. We're going to sell you whatever you liked 20 years ago. Believe me. <laughs> in, in 10 years when they're having all the teens nostalgia, you'll understand. But yeah, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, know, man, they have, have the Brady bunch shoved back down our throats. Oh my god, dude! I'm not even looking forward to it. My, uh, I was just, just talking to my producer about it. He was like, he was asking me if I was worried about when I hit forty, and I was like, oddly enough, no. But when I was about to turn thirty, I thought it was the end. I don't know why, but I had like a yeah, because I thought shit was supposed to happen when you're thirty. Like I thought by in my you know dumb twenty year old brain, I was like, yeah, when I'm thirty, that's it. It's gonna be everything's gonna be different. And then I got to thirty, and I was like, oh, it's still the same. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you're I, doing it the wrong way. You should do it as uh, who 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 didn't make it past 27? Jimi Hendrix, oh, Janis Joplin, Jim Joplin, Lawrence, yeah. Yeah. Robert Johnson, Brian Jones, Amy Winehouse. They all died at 27. So right. uh, congratulations. Your consolation prize is you get to still be here and see how much it sucks aging. <laughs> if you could live, if you could do uh, this is a great one. If you could live, my friends and I talk about this all the time. If you could actually live forever without illness. Would you do it? Would you want to see how everything goes down? Sure. Man, me too. And people yeah. are like, absolutely not. I'd want to. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I want to know. I would love to see the comet fucking come, you know, hurtling down. I'm like, oh, is this how everything goes? Like, I'd be fine with it. I mean, I would, I would, I would, I would live forever, but I would also settle for living long enough to watch angry mobs eat Mark Zuckerberg. Either one for me would be, <laughs> you know, really the way to go out. Unfortunately, I got to leave you, Mr. Paul. Yeah, you Romo. do. I got to go to Sirius XM now. Absolutely, man. And can I, one more question before you go? We ask everybody yeah, if you could give... glasses where I look less like Fran Lebowitz for that show. So. <laughs> <laughs> if you could, if you could give yourself one piece of advice when you were younger, something that you know now, what would it be? Don't pass out at a frat party. No. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, just really believe in yourself more. Just forget what everybody else says, you know, uh, and stop waiting to begin whatever it is. If you keep on waiting, you'll never start. So wow. go for it now and deal with fear later. Um, and the only person you're competing with is your former self. That's it. The only person you have to be better than is your former self. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on. Dude. I stole that from Carlos Mencia, so I don't know who wrote it. But, you know. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Thanks so much, man. You're a blast to talk to you. And, you. Uh, and I hope to see you in person soon. Thank you. That's not going to happen. But I have people you can see in person for me. So that's how it works. Uh, thank you for having me. Finally, let's do this again. Anytime we want to test the endurance of your viewers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Right Take on. care. Peace. Peace. Dystopia tonight.